<laughs> that's your mum, that is. <laughs> yeah. See that? See that piece of flob on the floor? <laughs> that's your swimming pool. That is. That's where you do breaststroke every morning. <laughs> is that where Milky Milky came from? Or was that something different? The same show. It was same show, but sketch. different sketch. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, right. I, oh, talking of that. Talking of that, I have started recording. So we're, right. we're, we're, we're going to go. How are you? Very well, thank you. How about yourself? Good. Although the weirdest thing has happened here in Norway. Well, it mm. shouldn't be that weird. But um, in the middle of May, it started snowing really heavily. And uh, I was like, yeah. oh. so, whilst we've been in lockdown, it's been glorious weather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now, now, now it's been lifted. Um, it's it's freezing and it's really mm-hmm. annoying. <laughs> it, it's, it, I was like, I can't. And, and also we wear summer tires and, and, and snow tires. And mm-hmm. I had changed over to summer tires. So I feel like I can't drive anywhere. When, <laughs> and I, I, I'm just adamantly like, like like a British person in lockdown, I'm like, I'm not changing the tires back. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing what they tell me, you know. So uh, so yeah, it's uh, mm. it, it, it's a thing to deal with. So yeah, I've been really really busy. Cool. There's a lot um, I've been doing. Uh, so I've been uh, writing quite a lot. Mm. Uh, reading a lot and i started a philosophy mooc about two weeks ago yeah oh nice cool um it's really really good um it's just basically like a philosophy 101 um yeah and i thought yeah i know we're doing sort of like uh um street philosophy or layman's philosophy or whatever and what do we need a bloody academic qualification to be philosophers we don't <laughs> my my no, and, and i think you made a good point why why would you pay whatever the i can't remember what the fee was to do a kind of module on philosophy when actually mm. you you can read and 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 there's so much available kind of online learning to to to, to do that for something that that is a fairly particularly introductory fairly static and mm. Once you've created that course, you know, anyone should be able to do it. Well, that's right. I thought I will uh, equip myself with a basic grasp of the main cornerstones of what philosophy is all about. Mm. It's like objectivism and relativism, emotivism, things like this. And once I've got my head around that, the philosophers that I warm to, why don't I start reading their works one by one? Just, you know, oh, this this guy was interesting, or I liked his ideas. Let me find out more about this. Oh, I'm not really into this way of thinking mm. about the world. Well, forget his books. And not having yeah. signed up for sort of six years or seven years worth of study to get, uh, a, I don't know, bachelor's degree or something in in philosophy i'll just accumulate and just be very very knowledgeable about the particular philosophers that i find interesting no and i think i think that 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 in essence almost should be what philosophy 
or is you know that 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 picking and choosing listening and 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 you know i think i think it was in a transhumanism podcast i listened to recently where they sort of said who, who why would anyone want a degree in philosophy it, it's like <laughs> it's become such a a redundant thing and that's because education has probably become much more uh, employment focused whereas actually having these MOOCs and, and so forth to enrich the soul so to speak is originally kind of what education was more about higher education was more about that 30 or 40 years ago than it is now but it's great that these things exist so you can kind of go oh, I'm, I'm i'm interested i don't really want to pay to study it and i don't really want it as a qualification because it doesn't matter yeah. i do want to know about it yeah i think i'll i think i'll probably pay for a little certificate it's not very expensive um, yeah put it on my resume but yeah. I also thought that um, it's it's a conversation starter in an interview. What did you do during the lockdown, or what do what? How did you use this time? Uh, mm. Did I sit watching Netflix all day? Okay, nothing wrong with that. No, but I read books on theology, philosophy, and then I started a MOOC because uh, and that it's got you know it's like I think. A good use of this time no i i mean i i i found myself doing the same either it sort of splits into two it's kind of like being creative and doing some stuff mm. uh but also taking the time to so i i i did a, a mooc on on uh education in a pandemic just because i thought that would be like a really pertinent uh thing to understand and just hear and 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 re-delve into some stuff uh, about online learning that uh, was sort of like getting uh, old for me, um, and then, and then I also did a, a course on uh, cognitive behavioural therapy because I thought, oh, that's that's a yeah. helpful thing to have as a teacher yeah. when you're supporting people who who sometimes you know having 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 issues. It doesn't make me a therapist, but it was just handy, to, it, it, like building your tool set up. That's right. Depend, I mean, yeah. There's also things I've been doing with, uh, I'm developing uh, kind of like an English teaching framework. Mm. It's going to be very open source. Um, and I'm loving it. I've actually been working with a couple of people that I know here in Japan. Um, mm. uh, it's wonderful. Um, I'll, I'll go into that at another time because it's a really, really long story. Um, but what I've really noticed is that I'm really loving this idea of using um, a little bit of wabi-sabi with it. Um, that uh, um, I think when people think about um, teaching online or distance learning education resources or whatever, the mind mm -hmm. automatically goes to like sort of professional um i don't know production or yeah 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 or, or pre presentation pre quality and yeah, it's all about the presentation yeah presentation or whatever whereas i'm i'm saying forget that just work on uh, actually what really matters which is entertaining engaging conversations where your student forgets they're actually learning and they're just enjoying the experience of the conversation and seeing where it goes. And one one idea I um, 
actually managed to catch uh, um, a very, very famous polyglot this morning, Mr. Richard Simcott, who was doing a Facebook oh, yes. Live. Yeah. And I asked, I, I posed a question to him about um, using uh, Campbell's Hero's Journey with um, Carl Jung's archetypes to create kind of engaging stories. Um, and, and I think um, that there's, there's some good ideas there. But also, he reminded me that it's got to be practical language, you know, like uh, a lot of the language in Harry Potter isn't going to be in the lexicon that's going to be any good for you if you're no. trying to buy a can of beans at the supermarket. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I started thinking about Tarantino and thinking about, well, there's a guy who, who writes natural dialogue. Yeah. Um, around these dramatic scenes. And so I've also been thinking about the Adam and Joe show, Toy Tannic. <laughs> yes, and yeah, yeah, which, which was really, yeah, yeah. So I ended up uh, um, trying some ideas out using just little toys and a whiteboard and scribbling the backgrounds and making a story where... One of my one of my toys is a little superhero, <laughs> and he's, yeah. he's gone to the, you know, it's basically even superheroes have to like change their money in a change machine, and it's buggered, and like basically the the moral dilemma is that there does he use his superhero powers to break the fucking machine open or, or whatever. But anyway, it was like while I was doing it, it was really it was struck me that. Mm. Um, one of the biggest problems, I think, that we probably found, I, in fact, I know we found um, when we were doing um, online and distance education in the UK, was everyone is an expert and everybody's got a voice and everybody knows best. Um, yeah, and, and it, it, it becomes... I mean, a lot. There's a lot of opinions, and there's a lot of uh, people standing on stages pontificating about what's right. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of that. There's so many blog posts on the perfect way to like uh, go online in this pandemic, and mm. I haven't read many that are actually that good because yeah. the, the the best ones would just say, "Do you know what? Calm down." You're in a pandemic. Don't just stress. <laughs> like, don't, first thing, like, can we just stop stressing everyone out about it? And the 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 mm. the, 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 the efficiency to it. So, so yeah, the, but but people do obsess about that. Just as you were talking about the the natural language thing, you just suddenly reminded me of um, like my own language learning when I was going to to Norwegian classes. And it really hit me and it kind of made me think in a wider context about both online learning and just published learning materials, because I found myself in a class where like chapter one, all, all of the people learning Norwegian were immigrants of color or of, of areas. And it seemed to be that everything was geared to your work in a factory. Uh, and it really bothered me. It really yeah. bothered me that all the scenarios... <laughs> were geared around 
like this perception of an immigrant being from a certain country and thus you know and i was thinking like i've i've got friends from from syria who are refugees who are really good uh, pharmacists so just for the sake of the podcast you are showing me something a picture which we'll put on we'll have to put out there somehow but yeah, yeah machine no malfunctions yeah yeah nice yeah, one like, no, 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 no. i would be i would be uh talking to a student what's happened here and the student might say ah he wants money uh he put money in machine uh he put money in the mm. change machine he's putting a note he's putting a note in the in the change machine um okay so you know there's another word for uh, the machine is broken or you could say the machine malfunctioned um what will he say i want my money <laughs> i want my money back yeah yes. give me give me my money back he may even be angry so he might even shout damn it <laughs> As, you know um <laughs> uh, basically um where i'm where i'm going with this is i find that um a lot of textbook english um is dull as ditch water so you, you would be the dullest person at a dinner party if you if you spoke the way that that most language learning teaches you to speak a language but yeah. also the students know that yes they're not stupid they yeah. know that i am learning to speak like this and i will go to a dinner party and i will sound like a dick so i'm trying to say look let's give real language um mm. and uh make it yeah you know i think the genius of tarantino at writing dialogue yeah is a genius as a screenwriter but what's really funny is we all talk like that but we can't all write like that yeah yes and that... the, the the scenarios it's, it's it's taking a very mundane way of talking in an exciting thing and then pointing something out yeah yeah and i find that um in if, if i want to give really authentic lessons when i'm t doing uh language teaching is if we get the student to forget they're in a lesson then i start to forget we're in a lesson we're just having a conversation and the likelihood of actually getting natural dialogue between two people increases yeah and yeah. i'll use the technology i'll use lo-fi technology like a whiteboard marker pens a couple of toys or whatever really mm. yeah. okay and i'll capture it and ultimately when i know what um what's going to work to elicit this natural language yeah that stays mm. into the framework that gets added and dun 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 and then this happens so it's sort yeah. of like i'm building no, no. based on how you do, yeah. conversation goes because i actually you're just right I, I wish i still had it I'd, I'd love to dig it out i i once made an internal corporate video that was all about it was for a very dull insurance company and predominantly every office uh would be like the office <laughs> you know the and and they asked me to make this video that that would 
showcase all of the different uh, departments around the country talking about kind of what they do and and slightly kind of um, trying to get some key key messaging out there. Now, at, at the time, like all, all corporate videos were dull as fucking dishwater. And I thought, like, let's have some fun with that. And so, so actually, like, I would go, I can remember like going to Reading and they did a whole, we did a whole scene uh, uh, of them talking about insurance salesmen, but we did it in the style of Pulp Fiction and they dressed <laughs> up and they had, uh, and it was like, like a sketch, like a crappy sketch. Mm-hmm. And um, I think still my favorite one was, it was almost Monty Python-esque of getting uh, the health and safety guy to talk about health and safety, but we just put him in a room full of like trash and then played the girl. From, I think we had the girl from Ipanema on in the background. It's <laughs> lift music. Like, like it was the most dull. Like, and I, I, we played with all of these things. And it was really funny because then when, when we had to show it to be, it was just shown on a bus in, internally as they went to a conference or something. And pe- people would still talk about it years later because the, the, the key message went in because they weren't being resistant to it because it was kind of packaged in a, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit like, you know, you, you give something unhealthy to a kid some, or something healthy to a kid <laughs> sneaking it in, <laughs> you know, sneak the greens in to something. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that is the problem when you when you read a lot of typical education stuff. It's why Johnny Ball was so amazing when we were kids, That's right? Yeah, you know, it's because he it's like wow, pretty, it's funny, pretty lo-fi, yeah. wasn't he? I mean, when you yeah, think exactly. about think of a number or whatever, it was like held together with rubber bands and sticky tape kind of television. Um, yeah, similar thing with this framework that I'm creating and. Uh, mm. uh, at some point in the future, I'll have to give you a link to this document that I'm putting together. But I'm actually spending the weekend, um, like putting some stuff together that should be mm. pretty funny. Um, there's this kind of idea I keep coming back to. Um, I remember, you know, like the Star Wars lived in look. We like it all a bit scrappy, a bit scruffy, and a bit squiggly and not pristine. Um, yeah, and that's kind of reminded me a lot about this um, Japanese thing called kintsugi, mm-hmm. which um, I think we've talked about before at least. Yeah, at least once yeah, yeah. or twice. But um, I, for the benefit of those who don't know, <laughs> I should yeah. put on my uh, professory kind of voice now. For those who don't know what Kintsugi is, many years ago in ancient Japan, there was a shogun named, uh, what was his name? It was Ashikaga, I believe. Well, he broke his favourite pot and sent it off to China to get repaired. Because China was where you get pots repaired back in that day. Um, I don't know when that was. I think it was in the 1400s or something. Okay. And so if anything was to do with ceramics, you'd buy it and take it back to China. Um, so this favorite pot came back from China repaired, but with these ugly metal staples. And it looked mm. like a pig's ear. It was pretty aesthetically unpleasing. As yeah. <laughs> like a sort of Frankenstein's like, monster of, 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 of a cup. Yeah. 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 And so he was most displeased 
he didn't like it very much. Um, so he asked the kind of his best craftsman in Japan at the time, can you please try and find another way to repair this pot without it being so bloody fuck ugly? <laughs> and so off they go and they come back and they've done an amazing job. They sealed it with a resin where they put some gold powder into the resin. And so the um, bowl now was adorned with these beautiful gold veins. So mm. Ashikaga looks at it and he's like, wow, it's beautiful. It's more mm. beautiful now than it was before it was broken. And mm. then he also took delight in knowing that it was stronger now than it was before. He could drop it. It's never going to break on these joints because the joints made it stronger, mm. which also is part of the philosophy and it's part of. Um, uh, well, mm. I mean that 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 that's kind of fascinating in the sense of because I think like you and I have talked at length about you know do we do we have enough opportunities in society or in education or, or whatever to kind of fail or, 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 or fall down and therefore build up resilience and kind of grit. And, and uh, when we left off last time, we're kind of talking about this idea of, of, of life extension and, 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 so, and, and That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure you're much more of an expert on this than that than me I'm, I'm i'm intrigued it's okay. kind of i'm always always trying to kind of think why does somebody want to why do i want to live for a thousand yeah. years yeah and, and how, do, how how does it possibly connect to this idea of broken and rebuilding and strengthen i suppose yeah that, that I'm, I'm interested if those two things are connected in any way <laughs> well well john are you sitting well yes <laughs> well, allow me i'll begin <laughs> um Okay, this is a really, really, this is something that I have become more and more fascinated. And it is, it's like a rabbit hole that once you start mm. going down, the further down you go, the more fascinating it becomes. So I'll probably uh, get you and thousands of other listeners out there in the interweb really yeah. interested in this thing because, um, so. It's really the idea of death and rebirth, yeah, as part of the hmm. hero's journey. So after um, the call to action, we go into the underworld where we face challenges and then um, we overcome the challenges, we learn something and then return to the normal world with a boon or a gain of something, don't we? And this is the ever lasting circle of life of um, mm. rebirth or sorry birth death rebirth death rebirth and each time each iteration yeah we we have to struggle we have to face challenges but we gain something we gain some bit of knowledge on each of these adventures that we undertake okay and when I think about all the major lessons in life that I've learned, they largely could be described like breaking the bowl where I'm shattered and think, what the bloody hell? That's the mm. end of me. I'm buggered. Um, mm. What's the bloody point? Um, and something 
always ends up telling me, well, okay, you're actually stronger now for having that experience, that fucking painful experience, the lost love or um, mm. uh, losing your job, your dog dying and all that kind of stuff that we feel. Yeah. Fucking hell. Why is life, why, why is it that all these wankers out there don't seem to be suffering like me? <laughs> and and it, it's, it's, while you're saying that, um, one of the things that kind of comes to mind is, as a parent, hmm. you constantly feel like you want to prevent your kids from having to experience that. Because that, that's a, nat- you know, nobody, if you've experienced hurt and pain, you want to help your kids avoid it. And I'm wondering whether we're in a bit of society where that's been overindulged and thus we now have lots of people that haven't gone through that. Therefore, they're not that they have. I mean, you you, you can't find enlightenment without the pain. That's right. That's right. Like I was talking, I think I was probably talking last time that it was mind blowing when I realized that in San Junipero, it was raining Mm. and it's raining in heaven. You've got to have the rain to get the joy of the sunshine but it also goes back to that kind of yeah it it goes back to that education point of also like all we ever tell kids is they've got to succeed because if they don't succeed their life is over what we don't seem to tell them is you have to fail a lot yeah to get stronger so that then you will be successful like do i mean i I feel like the narrative there is so wrong yeah talking of which i was watching one of our Mutual favorite fellows in the whole wide world, Sir Ken Robinson. Yes. And oh, he Ken, did a talk recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a talk recently, but I was looking back to some of his earlier talks, mm. and you listen to something, and it just reminds you why you really connect with this guy's ideology. That the answers are in the back of the book, and there is only you know, yeah, we punish you for failing we punish you for not getting the answer right yeah yeah we don't encourage failure because that's bad (laughs) and paradoxically it's failing it's breaking the pot where you're going to learn something right yes yeah you know that that, that's the thing it's 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 and 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 it becomes more as you were saying it becomes more beautiful once once you once you heal it okay It, it it's yeah yeah so you're with me on that now, why yeah. would why would I, yeah, want to live such a long time if if my life is going to be full of the suffering and full of the pain, okay, mm. and the full of the frustration? Like right now, the way society is, yeah, when you become an expert in any domain, you're like Anthony Fauci listening to Donald Trump talking bollocks, and you're thinking. So I went to medical school, I studied viruses, I became a fucking expert, and now I've got to sit with my mouth shut while this bloody idiot tells people to start drinking bleach. It's Yeah, I, f- I feel we've both been in those meetings. <laughs> Kafkaesque, and I think I've been in a Kafkaesque situation once or twice, and I know it when I see it. <laughs> So, Why don't I just draw magic buttons on it if you're making shit up? I should recall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's exactly it, John. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so you know that is one of the bloody suffering things. And I was thinking 
But, um, you know, I could take the attitude, oh, what's that bloody point? Well, this life, yeah, after the, the uh, relationship or the rejection destroyed me and I was totally broken, um, I vow never to love again. And I, I um, and, mm, and I didn't go down the route of family. Um, and I feel quite happy. Um, and yeah. I feel like my life is perfectly valid without uh, getting married, having family, having kids, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't think I want to become a father now. Um, not at 52. <laughs> I'll wait till I'm 150. <laughs> I'll wait until I'm 150 and don't have to decide. Maybe I don't <laughs> want to bring these bloody brats up. Fuck it. Then. I won't take the uh, I won't take the red pill. <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> but but I thought you know what? Maybe on the second iteration, life number two, I go. Oh, you know what? I'm going to give it a go this time. I will do it, but I'll be armed with a hell of a lot more wisdom than I would have been on this iteration. I mean, I think I'm kind of like mentally, um, <laughs> I'm mentally, I'm mentally stupid enough to become a father. <laughs> but, but I don't really want to go down that route. Um, you know, some people have said, oh, Kev, that's really a selfish attitude. I know, what, what's selfish about that? Not wanting to bring people into the world to consume yeah. more resources. And <laughs> I, 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 I think the opposite. I think sometimes being a lot of people become parents for selfish reasons because they want it for the unconditional love. Well, yeah, but it's also this, um, like, people believe that they need a to pass on their genes as a sort of like genetic handy down. I yeah. don't. I, I don't. I, I believe that I'll write a book or I'll make uh, some beautiful photographs. There's my legacy. Thank you very much. I, 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 I suppose that, that that's right. I suppose the, 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 the first form of transhumanism or just humanism is, is passing on your, your, your code to yeah. the next iteration of you. I'm making that which redundant. we've done biologically, yeah. I'm kind Sorry. of making that redundant. I'm making it optional, which I yes. think is part of the reason when I read this book by David Sinclair, this um, Harvard doctor that um, yeah. essentially cracked um, how we might be able to reset our biological clock and mm. essentially reset ourselves to be 25 years old. Um, and that, 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 that in, in essence, is about changing. I mean, you know, all, all animals have like this essentially ticking life cycle clock within them. And, you know, tortoises last f f for a really long time and, and birds don't. You know, it, 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 it's and it's essentially is it essentially about resetting that clock and therefore changing some of like a tortoise won't get diseased and old until a lot later mm. than, than we would. Well, I think of it like this, because mm. another book that I read was by a guy called Dave Asprey. Um, mm -hmm. He's kind of like the grandfather of the biohacking movement. 
Yeah. Now, at the very, very outset of his book, he makes this proposition that um, life is death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. If you want to live a long time, you basically have to try and minimize the amount of cuts you get. And by doing that, you'll avoid the big four killers of cancer, diabetes, um, heart disease, and Alzheimer's disease. Okay. Mm. And if you can reduce the chances of that, um, then you might buy yourself another 10 years. You might buy yourself another 20 years. Okay. Yeah. Mix this all together with things like I take a, a supplement called NMN and resveratrol. Um, which open yeah. longevity pathways and and stuff. So I might have actually, re- you know, I might have actually given taken my biology back to being thirty five, forty years old as I am today. Okay, yeah. doing other things like I work out and um, I don't work out too hard. Okay, because becoming kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't exactly going to help know, me yeah. my longevity. But I've, I've read enough and studied the nutrition and stuff of, mm. of the Gundry's, an incredible guy when it comes to what uh, um, to eat to um, give yourself the maximum chance of having longevity. Um, even as far as the stories about the naked uh, mole rat, where naked mole rats live an incredibly long time at least 20 times longer than any other rodent and what they mm. eat is absolutely striking the correlation between um their diet and the diet of um people that live to about 105 years old they have similar um uh microbiomes um largely yeah. because they've been the, the naked mole rats living underground in the Sahara Desert eats mushrooms, and same yeah. with um, a lot of these people. Um, and the Okinawans eating um, murasaki, I think. Yeah, murasaki mm. um, the purple sweet potato from Okinawa. So I eat yeah. that because that's available to me in Japan. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, by adapting my diet, by working out, by doing all these things, I may have extended my life for another somewhere like maybe five years, maybe 25 years. Okay. Hmm. But what I'm banking on is that the technology will soon be upon us where we will be able to um, get a test. Like, uh, you know, you go down to the convenience store, you buy a, a little box like mm. a pregnancy test kit that tells you how much life you've got left. And that's within the next five to 10 years. I pretty much yeah. think that's almost a guarantee. Okay. And do you think that that would predict it and then you can make adjustments to modify that prediction? Is yeah. that, is that, that's that, the guy. There's a bit like a thing. bit will tell you you're really unfit. And if you do this, yeah. you'll, you can improve your fitness. Yeah. yeah. I think the guy who invented this clock, is it the Horvitz Horvat's clock? Let me just check something. Horvat, yeah, the Horvath clock. Yeah, um, is basically it's an estimation um, method for working out your lifespan, your longevity. Okay. Okay. Um, it can be done, and the actual accuracy of it, yeah. 
Um, well, I think he's actually said that uh, as far as the accuracy of this thing, let me just do something here. Where am I? Where am I? Scudcast. There we go. <laughs> Sorry about that, listeners. Um, yeah, so the Horvath clock, um, the guy that invented it, um, they can currently do it, but they haven't got it so that it's like, you know, uh, a $5 test kit yeah. as yet. Um, but um, it does exist. And when asked about the reliability of its reading of your um, longevity, um, mm. the accuracy, it's um, apparently uh, as accurate as anything could possibly be. The, the chances of it being incorrect are about the same as being hit by a meteor. Mm. So, okay, based, yeah, yeah. On, based on what it's actually reading and its prediction, yeah, yeah, what it tells you is damn right that this is how long you will live with your um, biology as it is at the moment. Because like right. I was talking to you about before, the um, epigenome, the, the piano player, and as we age. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I, you know, there are already, I suppose, stem cell therapy does that kind of reverse, reversing a biological imperfection or whatever. You know, chemotherapy does it rather aggressively, but it, it, it prolongs life by by fixings and and um i know like a friend of mine who has quite strong progressive uh ms multiple sclerosis had recently had uh i've forgotten what the treatment is called but where you kind of completely re retake all of the blood from yourself and repurpose the blood and it, it's supposed to uh help prevent uh the progression of the disease you know it's like resetting yeah. your clock it's to some of degree some of the uh, biohackers, I think Dave Asprey also does this. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's actually a chapter of his book talking about vampire blood. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> stuff. But, and you end it. Yeah. Uh, some, some people tell me the royal family's done it. <laughs> Interesting. Controversial. It wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. That, that, would, that would explain David Icke's kind of uh, reptile. Maybe he's just talking about the reptile, the reptile blood, blood rather than. Rather know. than the actual, but um, well, I no, mean, I mean, and then it, it can't be beyond the wit of man that at some point, like things like nanobots, are, you know, like in the Fantastic Voyage, will go around repairing things well, in this, in the body. This is where I think, you know, like um, I think it's uh, you know, there's a mixture of I human, there's a mixture of I human Harari again, um, yeah. Also, by sort of combining all these things with what Dave Asprey's talking about and what David Sinclair talks about, even um, when I'm doing my Wim Hof breathing uh, exercises yeah. or whatever, you know, I'm basically um, the, the biohacking lifestyle that I live is trying to make myself as good as I can possibly be biologically only so that I live 
um, as long as I possibly can, yeah, as healthily as I can, because I don't want to be an old bugger like in pain and you know relying on other yeah, yeah. people. Well, that that was an interesting point made in that uh, Luke Robert Mason podcast, the the virtual. F- futures uh one about the history of transhumanism and 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 i had always been a little i'd always focused on the robotic stroke in heart you know technological enhancement of of humans as being transhuman a a kind of like terminatory you know metal and flesh and i it was a point that was made in there that i'd never really thought about which is you know transhumanism is about continuing humanity whereas you know pure robotics is post-humanism which is like we're not we're not even in the in the mix right. <laughs> and and the it, minute it, i started to realize that, I was like, this is just a... redundant they've become the cattle yeah and and i mean we i think we were talking earlier about you know that's what's interesting about this lockdown is it's making people really question stuff about humanity because mm-hmm. we're starting to realize like even like i think you were saying about like the dopamine shots of facebook etc we are slightly trapped in a machine and we have been since industrialism and then we're talking about like charlie chaplin chaplin had extreme paranoia about industrialism that we would lose our humanity and creativity and that's that's where the film modern times comes from yeah. and I just wonder whether this is, in order to tap into transhumanism, we have a different relationship. So we're not we're not heading towards a post-human society, but we actually start clawing back control. And some of the things would be extension of life, because why extend life if we're going into a post-human world? Yeah. Um, got Sorry, that was a big the... rambly, rim oh, rambly thought, but <laughs> I like the yeah. rambling thoughts. They're always <laughs> provoking. <laughs> and my, my mind also works like on strange arcs of like go off in spurious ways. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think uh, I was telling you, wasn't I, that um, I watched the 1984 Electric Dreams movie. Yes, yeah. Which raises some really, I mean, how old's that movie? That's 35. 36 years ago um yeah and and considerably before things like the internet and social media certainly okay yeah raising some still pertinent questions about um humanity and what does it mean Mm. to be a human you know a fairy tale for computers is the strap line which i kind of giggled at because i thought that's kind of like what am I doing? I'm I'm exploring mythology and Jungian Jungian archetypes, and I'm kind of like interested in what it is about um, these stories. You see, um, oh God, I'm going to go off on a really long rambly one if we're not careful. But um, the uh, the funny thing is, is that um, when I when I was telling uh Richard Simcock that uh, I'm you know like playing around with some ideas of um Jungian archetypes Campbell's mm. hero's journey and using uh TPRS methodology for teaching yeah. English through um trying to develop this framework um to not only help me <laughs> find a really entertaining way of doing this kind of um, teaching 
but also make it so um, delightful and um, oh, I've forgotten the word I was looking for there, but basically so that the student gets lost in the experience and just forgets they're actually in an English lesson and makes very natural conversation, like because they're so immersed that, you mm. know, I've, the 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 uh, safe room environment is melted away and they're just having a conversation as naturally yeah, yeah. as a native. And I think uh, that, that that taps into that thing that we were talking about last time, like that the Ben Southworth sort of says, sitting around, a, like we always want to sit around a campfire and tell stories. And yeah. I think Harari kind of, the invention of stories is about bringing people together. And right. and there is a, there is a fear of mine that that algorithms are the most efficient because they are telling that algorithms are just stories. Yeah, they're just taking a lot of random stuff together and telling a story. So give them a really like story. Don't give them the yeah. shit story. Give them don't the give them the shit story. story. <laughs> I, I I I like your notion of going back to some principles of storytelling, which is about the content of the story, not the presentation layer of the yeah, story. And that absolutely. And I think that really authenticity works for people more. Certainly does. I, I the, the the sort of the thing that was like a baseball bat to the old noggin here was when Madeline gets her cello crushed in the elevator doors. Yeah. Has it been a, a while since you've seen the movie? What you remember? It, it's a really long time since I've seen it. So just you, I'm oh. I'm nodding because I okay. have vague right. recollections, but I, I believe that you've watched it recently. So I've watched you'll, you'll it recently. Yeah. I've seen yeah. it umpteen times. It's one of my favourite movies. It's a bit cheesy. It's a bit well out of date. Actually, it's not a little <laughs> bit out of date. It's way out of date. But there's messages. There's an underlying message in that movie that I think is so understated, most people miss it, okay? Mm. Madeline um, uh, goes into this elevator and the doors of the elevator are thrust shut and they crush her cello, okay? Right. Now... Madeline, oh, she's a bit of a saucy one. She's been double dating. Oh. <laughs> well, she goes out to the car park. She's obviously devastated that this cello, she's had it since she was 12 years old. Okay. Yeah. And it's special to her. She's bonded with it. It's part of her. And it's just been eaten by an elevator door it's broken it's dead okay so when i was talking to someone this week about um uh death and rebirth i was saying that this is the loss madeline loses her cello it's the death of her cello yeah mm. a lot of people don't really notice it there's this thing it's a minor plot object but, um right but it isn't. I think it's central because this story is all about humanity and mm. what does it mean to be human is the real central question here. Because she goes out into the car park and the kind of guy that is just 
after sex. Yeah. Mm. He doesn't give a shit about Madeline's cello at all. He just wants to bed her. Yeah. But so his attitude is, oh, what happened? She said, oh, uh, it got smashed in the elevator. And she wants right. his shoulder to cry on. And he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. He just says, well, what are we going to do? Oh, don't worry about it. I know some people. I'll get you a replacement cello. You can play in this concert. She doesn't, she's not even thinking about the concert. That is totally not what it's about. He, he's never going to get laid then, is he? Right. He's out of the question. Now our hero, Miles, or as the computer calls him, Moles, enters the scene and he doesn't know about the cello. Okay, but they're they're out in the evening, and uh, he picks up on there's something up with Madeline. So, hmm. yeah, we as the audience, come on, Miles, ask her, ask her. And of course, he says, "Yeah, have you been crying?" And she's, "Yeah, yeah." Says, what happened? And uh, an elevator ate my cello. Now, he doesn't do the really human thing or does he because he laughs right he mm. bloody laughs well i think i would too because you put a picture of an elevator with teeth eating a cello it's quite amusing yeah, yeah. right yeah, yeah so a very human reaction is going to be to laugh and i can kind of empathize with that oh, i shouldn't laugh but i just did i know it was wrong but then the next thing he says is the most human, empathetic thing a person could say. Mm. So he rescues himself from that situation and says, well, you know, um, don't worry about it. It was just a piece of wood. And she's like, it was more than a piece of wood. He said, yeah, yeah. It was a piece of wood that was important to you because of what you put into it. Okay? So you've lost it. Yeah? But what was special about it is still inside you. Yeah. And at that point, that everything connects about what it is to be human, how we can empathize with being human to another human. And all these neurons flare up with, ah, uh, that's why um, not going down this sterile route of online and distance learning is so like, yeah, that's what other people are going to be doing. This is what I don't want to be doing. I like my face-to-face -face teaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that when I've been in environments where I've studied this, I've, I've read books about this, I know a hell of a lot about this, what tends to happen in, in our corporate world is you have lots of people all vying for position in a hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah, and no, no, for sure, for sure. You came up with, what was that magpie? Is it an ideas magpie or? 
you had uh, a... well i, I suppose i suppose a, a tech mad magpie a but tech it, magpie. you can you can apply it in many in many okay. scenarios in, a in tech life. magpie it's an idea magpie but i think it's a yeah. beautiful way to describe exactly what happens is that i found myself in so many situations where i've been fucked over by idiots who like talk to me about something i tell them oh well i'm thinking about this and that yeah and oh and they they run off to talk to the big president or the ceo of a company and take all the credit get the get the pay rise get the promotion or whatever and i i feel like i've just been fucked over again and again and again and so now i was saying i think it was today or whatever that that um yeah maybe that's why i'm so happy just teaching because i no, don't I, I, have to try and don't have all, no, no, I, I think um i've never liked the ladder hmm. you know if if, if it, and this in the situations that i've been in where people present the ladder and go if you do this you can climb up it i resist yeah. it because for me the times when i have been in charge of things at my core it's kind of like it's it's really to be a, a guide on a mountain trip not 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 to be the kind of person in in, in charge um and i think it, it it comes with a lot of kind of the, the responsibility the, the idea of kicking up you know a pyramid scheme that you kick up you know, like, like almost like the mafia, mm. um, doesn't appeal to me at all. Okay. And I, I think like it even worries me sometimes as a teacher that you are at the top of the pyramid with a bunch of people kind of learning from you. Mm. Whereas I see it much more as a kind of co-creating thing where, yes, I'm possibly re constantly relearning some things I know, but I'm always looking, I'm always finding a new perspective every time I teach. And the people you teach bring that. And it's really nice trying to help uh, connect dots there. But that, that, that's about a collaboration and, and, and a willingness. But you're right, this, this notion, the sad thing is, is it, it comes back to that educational point. If you, if you raise people to believe they've got to they've got to get the a grade and succeed and then you create hierarchies that are like that then everybody becomes very selfish and therefore treads on everyone to get to the top whereas actually there's no point of being at the top if there's no one underneath to support you then you just fall well i don't know it <laughs> um, certainly seems i was talking about uh the one to many and the many to many relationship on social networks yeah. wasn't it but uh, everyone's got a voice yeah <laughs> and yeah and who, the idiot that shouts the loudest seems to get up that ladder reading yeah. campbell's uh hero's journey stuff i laughed out loud when someone says to campbell one day you get to the top of the ladder only to find it was lent up against the wrong wall <laughs> no for sure yeah so I reckon that this iteration, I've put my ladder against the wrong wall. I've climbed up the top and gone, whoops, don't like this one. I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want this. I'm going to, I'm going to put the ladder up again. Oh no, I've done it again or whatever. That's, that's part of this 
like uh, death and rebirth again and again, and why each time I've learned something, gained something. Yeah, now I'm not. I you know I'm basically saying, hey, you know, I know a lot about a few things, and I'm not desperately running around the world going oh i know how to do this i can do this no no yeah 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 yeah, yeah, i'm saying let them come to me if they want my help with something like this but in the meantime i'm doing something for me (laughs) okay whether whether it's five years whether it's in my next life I'm going it's to a little bit... benefit from this and the students yeah. that I'm teaching will benefit from it. Well, there's always that case of like, do you want to spend your life enriching your soul or enriching your ego? And I mm-hmm. think trying to climb to the top is about enriching your ego. Yeah. And there are many people, you know, I love the way Russell Brand talks about that. You know, he he, he sought fame and, and, and so forth. <laughs> he thought it would f- fill the hole. And then when he got there, went, oh, it doesn't, mm. you know, and, and I think that's true. People think that if they just get more money, if they're just more powerful, all of these things. I mean, you know, look at Trump. He 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 he's president. He's rich, but he's so unhappy. That reminds me of the rich kid that I used to go to school with. You know, you know the type. <laughs> would would it be funny if, if there was a, an actual person called Richard Kid, oh. or and would would they be called Rich Kid like at school, or would they be called Dick Kid? Oh, I, think... I suppose either either way, they could be both. Like, so. <laughs> well, surprisingly <laughs> enough, yeah. Yeah. it happens. Sure I guess there are so, so... people out in the world called Rich Kid, and uh, yeah, they 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 strive for the superfluous. Um, I believe. Yeah. Um, they're the kind of people that I think when I was watching Joker, that yeah. I could see that being those guys on the subway train, which is why I was cheering for Joker and not feeling too guilty about, oh, dear, <laughs> am I a bad person? Just because I thought, yeah, good for you. Shoot them. Yeah. Um, the world's a better place. <laughs> um, but, well, yeah. that, that, that's an interesting thing with that because I think it it joker taps in quite like it, it does it both smartly and scarily mm. into into the notion of fighting back like people that are oppressed by something you know it, and it, it, it's you know fight club is the same it's, it's it's the and and both of those films unfortunately get gravitated to by people who are feeling that at a particular moment in time and therefore see it as the answer mm-hmm. we can look at it and kind of go i identify with that at a certain stage in my life but i'm so far beyond it yeah that i wouldn't act on it and i can i can understand the arguments for both sides of, uh, of the coin but but art should always reflect life and i think both of those films do reflect do you think um my new word this week was um polysemic or polysemic um, okay yeah so I'm stupid. Explain that to me. <laughs> don't worry. I was stupid until I looked it up in the dictionary <laughs> about a week ago. <laughs> okay. So so every time I come across new words, what I what's really interesting, John, yeah, mm. is people like you've just said, I I'm stupid, I don't know that. You're not stupid, you're honest. Okay. No, no, no. Well, it, 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 it's it's a British self-deprecating way of saying, "Fill me in." Yeah, fill me in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but do you know what? 
the people that um, the people like the rich kids of the world, yeah, hmm. just go, yeah, spotlessemic, yes, yes, oh, very, very, yes, very well, yes, and they won't admit that they don't know something, right? Because, like like Zippy in Rainbow. Oh, yeah. no, 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 definitely. I like Polisemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so please, please, Zippy, tell me what it means. Well, 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 why don't you tell the people what it means? Well, I think it means that the story can mean different things to different people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. Yes, yes. It's like Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I couldn't have put it better myself. You're a genius. Well done, Zippy. Well, well that's the promotion. trick, isn't it? Is it yeah, is <laughs> is nobody nobody can say what the story means because it depends how it connects to you on an individual basis. Well, that's yeah. right. This is the whole idea of polysemic. Um, it's an adjective yeah. saying that the thing can mean different things to different people, basically. Which is why the the job of a critic of any form of art is a pointless job. Okay. <laughs> Also, Although it's interesting to hear their perspective, I guess. I thought uh, one of Jordan Peterson's brilliant quotes um, that I took from a lecture, he was just doing what Peterson does very well, which is like just, uh, the, the, wow. When I, I watched the Peterson lecture on personality. Um, right. Uh, it was amazing. Yeah, that man, the density of knowledge <laughs> being <laughs> shot out of his gob. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, I'm like, I want to take notes. There's no point trying to take notes. Just forget it. Just sit back and try and absorb all this knowledge, um, hmm. whatever. And thank God he does YouTube. Yeah, because you need it to go through it two or three times and just go, wow, he's really nailed that one. Really nailed that one. Something he said, I thought, really nailed it. We are all imitating a story that we don't understand. That's life. We're all no, imitating and, and... a story. We're trying, to, we're, we're trying to understand the myths. We're trying to find meaning in the world. We're trying to find... What's it all about? So one of the things that you were saying, like the idea of uh, extent, this does connect to the point you just made about extending life. Yeah. And the reason the reason you want that is because of wisdom. Mm. Mm. And then I sometimes wonder, like, it's a real shame. Like, what would 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 it have been better for us if we had? had more people kind of passing on wisdom in our education i mean i think of like my entire education at school i don't think any of the teachers were really passing on wisdom they were passing on information mm. and i do wonder sometimes like, i'm trying to kind of struggle with the idea of like should should as teachers we also be um kind of supporting people to find their own self-awareness and to find to be more reflective on 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 their where they're kind of going and so do you know what I mean it's the value system what do we value do we value uh the factory the industrial factory model yeah and yeah. this person's useful for um uh 
actually doing a, uh, a repetitive job or will we replace him by a robot? Yeah. Or should um, this person be allowed to explore wisdom and become a philosopher? Because I, like, I, I think you could quite easily algorithmically and, and through produce stuff, etc., give people information right youtube does that i mean if, if, if you'd obviously have algorithmically some way of, of of clarifying what what's what's right and what's wrong although i would argue that even publishing and, and how you choose a curriculum is already biased in numerous ways but um that side of things i just feel like you know it's like when i do a lecture i don't want to stand there and read something because i'm like you can read <laughs> the students can read so how 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 do i how do i try and bring wisdom and anecdote and and and, and bring stuff alive and i think you do the same in in, in your teaching and i just right. think that doesn't happen enough at school do you, that... know, do you know what i've just thought of that we are relics from an era where it was quite easy to find wisdom and it was quite easy to find um uh um information where you can check the authority of that information and you could fact check it and you could actually um not believe everything that you read but um there was a sort of tenuous chance that what you're actually reading was true was correct yeah. and that you could yeah. check it we are in a deeper and deeper and deeper ocean of misinformation where you don't know what anything means anymore. We don't know what what's right, what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse. Oh no. So, you know, it will reach a point where there's, you know, like this bipartisan divide nobody trusts what the other side says um that uh, all information is worthless <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that basically i think when i'm 120 i you know I, if i can get there yeah i might be one of the few yeah given that let's say the technology to reset my biology back to 25 years old, it doesn't become available. Then the obese guys, they're not going to make it. Um, they've gone with um, diabetes and heart disease. Um, you know, like I was a smoker, but I'm on my way to actually repairing my <laughs> lungs uh for a couple of years now without smoking once i get to seven mm. years my my lungs are about 95 percent back to having never smoked before but um, um i'm compensating and actually overcompensating by various other things so basically i might be one of a very very small amount of people who lived in an age where getting hold of honest information yeah it's a rare it, you know it's a rare, rare commodity now it's going to become rarer and rarer 
Yeah. But 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 we we believe that because there wasn't a vast amount of information to contradict what we were being told. But I, I certainly remember at high school when being taught the the Irish question mm. uh, as part of history. And I can remember because of my, my family being half Irish, I had had, you know, their their stories and, and their life experiences mm. told to me. And I, I can remember putting my hand up and saying, uh, you haven't mentioned the black and tans. Right. And and they were like, oh well, that's not in the curriculum. I'm like, but it did happen. Okay. And then it made. Do you know I mean when we look at it, like it, the the telling of Clive of India and all of that kind yeah. of stuff? See, see, I totally we we get a version. I yeah, get, yeah, I get your point, and it's a very valid point. When we're younger, yeah, I think yeah, the Irish question, there might be what five, six different versions, maybe more. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we probably only it's... encountered two or three, four, five, yeah, yeah, and we had a look at it. We we checked out the source of the information. We checked out the authority, and we try to imagine uh, what it was like to live in that time and what it was like in that community, and um, and. We can say, well, we don't know for sure, but it certainly feels that this was what I believe to be the nearest thing I can actually say is the truth. Whereas yeah. now, there's a thousand different stories and it's all the misinformation. It's, a, it's an ocean of shit that you have to go through. And I don't think I have the the energy to actually get to the bottom of anything anymore because it, no, no. I would be spending so much of my time and thinking, like the question of where did coronavirus come from? You know, people are now saying, wow, it could have come from a lab. Yeah, it could have done. But yeah. does it really matter? I don't know. Right now, right, right now it doesn't matter yeah. because... Right now, you're dealing with a pandemic. In the in 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 the in the through course of history, mm. and and in retrospect, it's worth having a good look at that. Perhaps but right now, right now, it's not important. Well, now's not the time, kind of thing, is it? It's the uh, okay. Um, yeah. You can say right. Well, the house, the house is on fire. We're not. We, we need to put it out. We're not too concerned yeah. who who had the matches. There's, there's no point. Yeah. There's no point having a dig at Granddad because he smokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Granddad wasn't even in the house at the time, but it was probably Granddad. Um, but I, I, mean, I think I think that uh, the, the reason I was sort of like asking that is is uh, I've been reading uh, uh, this book, Pedag Pedagogy of the Oppressed, which kind yeah. of looks at the 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 what is taught by oppressive uh, regimes and even even when it's not a kind of right-wing thing or, or, or whatever it just looks at education is it has a lot of bias in it and I think it, it kind of relates to actually what Jordan Peterson talks about is is you know the, the, this idea of cultural Marxism in the higher education system mm -hmm. which then affects the way people view things and has a, a lack of critical thought. And I think that there's some real validity in that, in the sense of what, you know, and I, I constantly tell my students at the beginning of our class, I, I, what I'm teaching you, 
will always ultimately be aspects of it from my perspective. And you should query my own bio because I've selected the things, you know, that I've, I've selected the, the books on the curriculum, et cetera. And you should query that. Like, am I giving you just one perspective? Okay. And, and you know, so, so, uh, and therefore I question, like, it's not just the manufacturing of fake information. It's actually the way we've selected things as, you know, going back to the experts thing, even as experts, we're, we're selecting, going, I think you should know about this and not about that. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that kind of like, have you, where are you with this book, John? You... I'm, I'm, I, I read it a long time ago. It's, a, it's an old book um, and I'm rereading it again at the moment because I think there's a lot of stuff that came up in the way that I think universities are responding in the pandemic. Some are being very empathetic and some are being very punitive in like, you must do this by this time. And, yeah. you know, the, 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 there's talks of online exams where you have to sit in front of a camera and somebody else is monitoring to make sure you don't cheat. And there's like people puking in buckets because <laughs> they daren't go or, pit, or even pissing in bottles because they can't leave the computer screen, you know. And, um, and I thought, yeah, there's something education systems because it, it, it they are the start of so many of these aspects of, of humanity the way we view learning information even even you know how, how we respond to other human beings sometimes is very much formed in what happened in the classroom in the playground etc so i am i am fascinated by that but i haven't i haven't I, I could exp I could read a lot more on it because I think it ties back into some of those points that Peterson was making. Ah, okay. It also ties into yeah. something I was reading um, that comes from uh, Gizek, or is it Zizek? Is it Gizek, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I can never pronounce his name. It's the same with like Mihaly Chikmin. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> well, just call them Bob. <laughs> Bob. No, well, both Bob. Bob, Bob uh, one and Bob two. You know, I actually I, I listened to Peterson debate um, with Jesus, I think. Um, yeah, and uh, that that was kind of interesting. Like there were some some uh, parts of their um, debate that go way above what I can comprehend to be honest I, yeah um but uh when i was reading this book it was talking about that um gzx um uh yeah you know was it lacan lacan's revival of marxism zizek's kind of pushing into this where he's saying we're interpolated into capitalism okay mm. And then we submit our lives to into commodification. And then once mm. you start thinking about where we are with commodification, we're increasingly engaging in the pursuit of inaccessible enjoyment. And yep. I think there's something pertinent about that. But I shall have to read more <laughs> for I don't know enough at the moment. No, and and, and it, it... I suppose it's I'm I'm really interested in like you do hear a lot about how so many people aren't happy mm. and and then and then you know I have I have been interested in this sort of notion of 
wokeism and and i like the idea that people have become like oh, let, let, let's look at why wider people's experiences so we don't just shut down yeah you know uh and and particularly when you live abroad and you talk about things and people go oh no, that's not true and you go no what that but that's my experience that's my lived experience to, yeah. to coin a phrase yeah. but i th i think conversely one of the problems with with all of that is is we're, we're sort of going into language where we're saying everybody is oppressed in a way that they may be not. Uh, and, 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 and this idea of being offended, I, there's a, on Netflix, there's a couple of uh, really good stand-up specials from a guy called Daniel Sloss. Yeah. And he's really good at kind of exploring those, those themes and in, in a interesting way. Cause I think, I think this kind of notion of just getting offended at everything or, or pushing back against it is wrong, but we have, we've got to have a better dialogue about how we teach people stuff as well. Ah, uh, I was writing a little bit of comedy the other day and I, I, yeah. I made a little quip on the uh, Shakespeare, um, all the world's a stage. Uh, but I took the idea that all the world's a stage and some people should have silent roles. <laughs> but again i i think some aspects of this i mean when when we were teenagers let's say uh, maybe early 20s you do exp like because your brain is still forming and so mm. forth so you do and you latch on to things as like an epiphany you know, like the first what? time you listen to punk, it's like an epiphany. You're like, wow, this oh, is saying everything it, I want to say. Where's this been all my life? <laughs> and of course, and, and, and when you, and this comes back to the wisdom thing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think I, I was quite lucky on music side because I had parents who were like, well, you know, actually you can, you can, you can hear kind of elements of, 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 you know uh, uh blues and so forth in punk because it's about, it's about struggling against something and so forth. you can hear jamaican influences etc cetera, etc cetera. and and i really like the fact that somebody helped kind of so i realized that things are an evolution not just a new thing but i think we do the first time i heard bill hicks i can remember being like wow he 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 speaks for me yeah. and and you you hold or rage against the machine or, or, or all of these things and i think it's true with anything that you're picking up in kind of school on the internet uh, uh, uh in higher education that you're you're gonna kind of speak loud about these things in, in the same way as like you and i might be delving our feet into philosophy mm. and we're going well you know don't don't you know kevin this thing about objectivism right. and there's somebody who's been doing it there's somebody who's been well, doing it for 20 years god let me make a counter argument to the assertion you've just made well given the axiom you've just presented to me well i could always <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean the, the, Bloody the, bollocks, the, the, there's always some yeah there's, there's, there's somebody else who's gone yeah i've been i've been there I and know. i've been through that and, and the thing about the scale of the internet or oh, it's richness and reach you know like mm. um again we'll talk endlessly about uh the the richness and reach of see we've got the uh uh reach of the whole world on our Facebook or on social networks in general, but um, yeah, 
Um, but the richness of the experience, yeah. I mean, talking as we're talking at the moment is much better, I find, than, uh, you know, the asynchronous send an email, get an email back or type into a chat no. box and, and stuff like that. Okay. But I still think, you know, it's not a patch on being connected in the same physical domain. Um, no, for sure. For sure. And, no. and that's, I was, I was thinking of it. So that, that, that issue about going back to the wisdom thing, it just, and as we were talking about music, I just suddenly reminded of a conversation I had with a student a couple of years ago where we were talking about music and they wanted to know kind of what was on my what was what, what was I playing on my Spotify playlist, and then right. they wanted to obviously t- tell me what they play. And they were like, "Have you heard of this this person called David Bowie?" <laughs> and I can remember like <laughs> that was that was my that was my reaction, you see. And and then I was like, "Well, you know," and and you know, I realized like the danger there is there's actually you're being incredibly pompous. Because to them, they've just discovered David Bowie. It's, and, and there's an opportunity to have a really great, enriching discussion rather than go, well, yeah. I went to the same I went to the same school as David Bowie, don't you know? Well, like, 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 I would have said, and, and, listen here, young whippersnapper. <laughs> I was into Bowie when you were just a bloody little sparkle in your mother's eye. <laughs> and, but but the, pro- the problem with that is is you, you would instantly the same as if somebody came along to us now and said <laughs> about philosophy or or, or whatever oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know no, totally do you know what I mean and, 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 and that that's what i kind of come back to about the well you've just reminded me of something else as well the cycles of the cycles of life and wisdom and and where do you have wisdom and where do you have humility but yeah go go so here's the thing i was thinking about yesterday i was sitting in the park and i was reading and uh and this random thought entered my head, as I do often. Um, <laughs> it was this: I was thinking about that. Um, I'm I'm basically feeding the algorithm with the essence of me, yeah, and I got no problem with doing that. So why have I got this urge to go off grid, yeah, like? bugger off to Mongolia and just like disappear and maybe get in touch with people once or twice a year. <laughs> okay. Mm. And I thought there's one thing that I really, really, really hate about social media. It's when someone you know, and they're just maybe a vague acquaintance, you know you've met them a couple of times you think they're a bit of a knob but they're okay and whatever when someone like that goes and makes a post david bowie's dead and you're now fucking connected for eternity with that fucker letting you know (laughs) that david bowie's dead and you think fuck off I don't want you connected with the beauty of David Bowie. You wanker. Oh, <laughs> I should never have fucking accepted your friend. Fuck off. 
now I can't I, do anything about it. I can't go in and re-engineer and pull that fucking... I've fucking learned, learned that by someone telling me this Canadian guy told me that Rick Mail had died. And he was okay, but I thought... It means I didn't want to hear it that way. I wanted to hear that from Aid Edmondson. Yeah. I would like to hear that from Aid Edmondson. I'd like to hear that from someone I was at school with who worshipped the young ones. And we reenacted mm. the young ones every bloody day in the British culture. The young ones were like huge. And you God, Canadian yeah. guy, no idea. You've probably seen that movie, uh, right, Dead. Fred. Oh, drop dead, drop Fred. Dead yeah, Fred. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was it. That was it. That's the only knowledge of Rick Mail this guy had, and I just thought, you have no fucking idea what that man meant to me. <laughs> and now, no, every and, and... time I think of the day I learned of his death, I'm going to have to see this face of the person telling me, and I thought, fuck off. <laughs> that that is, that is the problem with. Uh... I, th I think social media, there's always somebody that has to kind of come along and go, I think you're fine. Yes. Or, or, you know, and, and yeah, right. <laughs> like with that Harry Enfield character, only me. Uh, Did you know? And, Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, and it, it's, it's like the, the, I want to. So stop bloody telling me things I don't want to know. <laughs> but then, you know. this, the, the, the other day I put, uh, as a as a status update, I think I was I, I was just feeling a little bit kind of uh, uh, playful. So I was like, now the lockdown is easing. Uh, it, it concerns me that as the curve rises, that we'll suddenly have a second wave of these album covers and films. I really did, and and, and and that was like, like they just like just a bit of comedy, you yeah. know. But there were like a couple. I think a couple of my friends thought I was having a dig at them. Oh yeah, like it, it, it like 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 they they kind of feel like oh you have it you're, you're, you're annoyed at me I'm, I'm not annoyed at anyone to do it. it's quite nice no, no. but it's just it, it, it this was just like oh i've had a thought and i quite i quite like the structure of it there's you a know. certain <laughs> amount of the the lunch bucket story here you know the lunch bucket story i think i was trying yes. to tell you the other day oh, yes yes tell, tell me the lunch yeah I, I watched the video but for... so jordan peterson's rule number one is uh um, stand up straight with his shoulders back um, hmm. and he he talks a lot about lobsters and uh, the um, the chemical what was it um, oh I've forgotten the name of it is it yeah it's serotonin 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 um, yeah, the yeah. levels go up when you win a fight so you're oh, you're all pumped up as the victor and then you go into this defensive pose as the um lobster that's been defeated which increases the chances of you being defeated again and again and again and uh, if you win the fight the chances of you winning the next fight go up considerably and so um so basically this leads to the phenomenon of the guy getting bullied yeah mm. and um so peterson went to work on a railroad um part of the railroad crew and turns up and all the guys have their lunch 
um, packed in a scruffy old lunchbox, except this one guy who's got a lunchbox that looks like his mummy made it for him. So of course yeah. they're gonna they're gonna pull his leg. They're gonna rib him about that. Okay. Um, but um, basically, um, they gave him a nickname. They called him Lunchbox or L- Lunch Bucket. Sorry, yeah, Lunch Bucket. And he didn't find it funny, and he's got the ass about it. So, like, basically, with someone like that, it's kind of inviting the the pack, the crowd, the the guys to sort of like see if they can push him because you if you push that person you get like this satisfying little squeak out of them it's like ah, <laughs> <laughs> let's see if we can like set him off again <laughs> so they start throwing little pebbles at him and then those little pebbles get a bit bigger and it's, he's it's just the fact that he's so whiny and so i can kind of picture this scene and i think we've all been there and in fact, I think I've yeah. been on the receiving end a few times and I've been lunch bucket. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no. But, um, and it's like until they've they've done it enough and then lunch bucket stops turning up to work. So ba- basically lunch bucket, the problem was, it's like as Jordan Peterson would say, oh, you know, well, at least can you be funny? You know, at least can you have some value? <laughs> you've got a sense of humor is that you know you've got to be worth something no not even that well bugger off then you know um so so lunch bucket's gone and he's gone without learning anything and that brings us full circle back to this kintsugi because i think that's the thing is like you can be smashed you can be broken you and and never come back from it and that's why Mm. That's why the the way I look at life now is well that that yeah it's it's test your adversity that's yeah right it's a test of your yeah. adversity and also by going through it with a sense of humor and actually growing character yeah hmm. because you can then become an even better person that other people want to play the game with and as you learn this yeah you know the 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 rule of the game isn't to win the game. It's to be the person that other people want to play a game with in the future. And it's the winner is the person who gets to play the game at the most. Um, so, which seems, which seems, which seems a great point for us to kind of wrap up. Cause we're, we're hitting the, the 90 minute mark. Yeah. And I think like the next one would be really good. Like what, what is collaboration? What is teamwork? What is what, working together? The, just one point, just cause it, it, this is the way my brain works. Whenever anybody says serotonin, I always think of Sarah Palin, which is the exact oh. opposite of serotonin. <laughs> I don't know why. Did you know? I, <laughs> I also think that, but I also think of, um, a hippie band like who are all into like, LSD <laughs> and they called themselves Serotonin and they like play the gig at this festival okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, excellent mate it, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the same as I, whenever I, when, when we used to have Theresa May as, as Prime Minister I couldn't help but think of the shampoo Theresa May <laughs> yeah you know what was it like? Maybe it's Theresa. Maybe it's Theresa May. Worth it. Which, <laughs> yes. Which, 
it, it seems in the UK now, we seem to progressively be like, we thought the last prime minister was shit, and then somebody comes along and goes, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, mate. Let, let's call it a day there, and we'll, we'll catch up next time. All right. Excellent. <laughs>